adult. You know, you're the one mentoring. Military, you know, you got to deal with people that's not from your block. Mentoring and, and helping be leaders and helping shape these young men. This country was made great by, by so many accomplishments. Today on uh, Raw and Real Vet Talk with PJ, we have a special guest and an incredible woman. Not only is she a military vet, hoorah, uh, but an aviator commander and served in both the Navy and the Air Force. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome Meryl Tagestall. 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 If I said it wrong, yes. she's going to beat me down, man. She's been both. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Meryl Tagadol, we'd like to welcome to Raw and Real with PJ. How you doing today? I'm fine, PJ. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, well thank you. Thank you. Um, like you seem pretty, uh, a pretty interesting person starting off. Thank you for your service from, uh, one vet to another. Uh, thank you. I, I, thank you. I, thank you for your support and service as well. So, oh yeah. It. I mean, I, I, I do. I really appreciate it. I mean, we are one of the, you're one of the one percenters, you know what I mean? Uh, you raise your hand to, to serve and protect millions and millions of people who you don't even know. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really genuine from, from me also, as far as a vet understanding your sacrifice and what you did. So I really want to thank you. But then all that you did too. You were Navy and Air Force. Yes. Oh. Yes. Um, I, yeah, I started my service out in the Navy uh, in 1994. And I did that for 10 years. And then I switched over to the Air Force in uh, 2004 and stayed with that, uh, stayed with the program, the U2 program for 13 years. And I retired in 2017. Wow. Okay. So Meryl, can you tell, for everyone that's listening, what made you decide to join the Navy? For me, for the Navy, um, we got to go back to when I was seven years old. So I always aspired to be an astronaut. I watched too much science fiction, too much Star Trek. And <laughs> in part of my journey, um, as I went to college... <laughs> yep, there, there it is. <laughs> I got that pink you don't want to get right. <laughs> As I went to college, um, I knew I was going to join a branch of service. So it was either going to be Navy or Air Force. I was an Air Force ROTC at the time. Um, the Air Force at that time didn't really resonate with me. No, no offense. So I came full circle. And so when I graduated, I decided I was going to join uh, the Navy. So I applied for the Navy um, Officer Officer Candidate School, so OCS. And okay. I got accepted and went there in June of 94 and started. And I got commissioned in September of 94. So nice. that's how, yeah, that's how I began. So, so when you started that, okay, so you graduated from the University of New Haven. Yes. Uh, with a bachelor's degree uh, in electrical engineering. Yep, can't spell geek without two E's. <laughs> but, but then it's like okay, but then you were you're you're a geek and a and some what is it we call it with jock? I mean, you played so you played ball too, right? I did. I played uh, for one year at my university. Uh, we were a Division two school, so I played. Um, I was a walk on, and I played uh, ball for a year, which was fun. Um, it was a good time, but I was also doing. I was doing basketball. I was doing ROTC. I was uh, taking 18 credit hours in engineering. So something I had to give. Yeah. And, you know, the, the basketball team wasn't giving me a scholarship. So there was no reason for me to stay on. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's great. But yeah. you got to go. I got to yeah. focus on, on other. And I was also doing work study. So wow. I was definitely being pulled in a whole bunch of directions. And, yeah. you know, that was just one of the things that fell by the wayside. So I could focus on uh, getting the degree because that was that was crucial to part of my you know, becoming an astronaut. 
Nice. Okay, then. So let's let's talk about the your time in in the Navy. How was that for you? Oh, it was it was great. I mean, I love the Navy. You know, you go to officer cannon school, you're being trained by uh, Marine Corps drill instructors. So you have that Marine Corps aspect that is drilled into you from day one. Yeah. You know, you start out as this, they call us nasty civilians. And then you come out this officer. For those who are older, that's seen officer and a gentleman. I mean, yeah. we are that squared away. It is like yeah. serious. And my drill instructor, I kid you not, looked like Louis Gossage Jr. He was scary. <laughs> this man was a sniper. Uh, may he rest in peace. Um, he passed away a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, I love that guy. I would yeah. go to hell and back for that man. And wow. uh, he just did, he did a phenomenal job. So, I mean, I love the Navy at that time. Most, a lot of the astronauts were Naval aviators. So that's what kind of solidified me going through to the Navy. And yeah. if you can land on, whether you fly helicopters, whether you fly um, jets, if you can land on a boat, yeah, you can land on anything. So You're right, that bro. was my... Man, I tell you, I tell you what though, Cheryl. I'm sorry, I'm Army. Okay, I'm ex Army. Keep my ass on the land, okay? <laughs> like, yo, this brother. Like, I'm talking about. Like, you want you want to be on this boat for how long? Six months at a time. Why you didn't want to? You didn't want to go fly. Sorry, my cat wants some love up here. That's so. <laughs> <laughs> me loving too. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, you know, the, the water aspect, um, it was, it's not a big deal. I mean, it was, there was definitely a lot of training. We do a lot of water survival training. Yeah. yeah. I, if you, if yeah. you guys look at that show, I, what was that show that I just, I've been watching, uh, the special forces on Fox where they, yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. they get into a car and they go into the water. I mean, we do that in, in the plane. So Wow. I've done, you know, dunker training. They call it dunker training, helicopter dunker training. Yeah. And yeah, they don't mess around. So yeah, y'all don't mess around. A... Y'all don't. But I was still I was like, man, keep my black ass on the land. I was like, <laughs> like, yo, you want me to do what? No. Uh, air assault, drop me on the land. Don't put me in the water. <laughs> no. <laughs> so so I'll give you kudos for that. You know what I mean? And so then, all right, so let's talk about then. Your transition. So you went from Navy to the Air Force. Uh, yes. Yeah, and you held a few titles within the Air Force. Uh, can you explain your work that you did in the Air Force and then what made you go for that transition? Right. So, again, I wanted to be an astronaut. So I joined the Navy as a in for a pilot training slot. So okay. when I finished my – I went to training in Corpus Christi, Texas. When I was done with that, I selected helicopters out of there. I went back to – Pensacola, birth of naval aviation, cradle of Navy, naval aviation. Um, I was did very well, got SH-60 uh, Bravos, the yeah. Seahawks out of Mayport. So I started flying helicopters. When I was done flying helicopters, I went back to become a fixed wing instructor. So I became one of four Navy pilots to work at Moody Air Force Base, flying the T-6s, training both Navy and Air Force pilots. Wow. At the end of my tour... Um, I still wanted to be an astronaut. I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it in the Navy. And then the, my boss at the time was like, hey, come join the Air Force. Come fly some aircraft. And I looked at some of the programs because they had the F-117. They had yeah. the U-2. They had the B-52, B-2s. And I, the U-2, other than my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, told me about it. This stuck out to me because you wore a pressure suit. You flew above 70,000 feet. 
some of the missions that we did were similar to, believe it or not, similar to what the helicopter did. And so I said, let me let me apply because it's an application process and you had to be experienced. And that's what I did. And uh, I got picked up by the Air Force for an interview, went out to interview. And then I got asked to be part of uh, the U2, the small cadre of brothers and sisters in the U2 program. So, man, that's that's incredible. And then not only that show, speaking of incredible. So let's let's talk about that experience. Right. I got it. I got to tell you, it's Merrill, not Cheryl. (laughs) Meryl, oh my God. <laughs> Meryl, Meryl. I know it's you, a long day. Man, I'm going to owe you burpees. Like, Meryl, like, you know, my, my morning still started at zero dark 30. Like, <laughs> I know. No, zero. You, don't, you don't owe me burpees. You owe me bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> it's going down. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, Meryl, yeah, I got you. You let me know. We're going we're gonna to talk about that after. Which one you okay. like? Got you. You're gonna get a sm- special package, airdropped. Oh, <laughs> but I'm not oh, flying it. I'm not flying it to you. <laughs> I'm a, it would not make it there if you have me flying it. All right. <laughs> speaking of speaking of flying it, uh, so you retired in 2017, and yes. as a uh, as a colonel. Yes. Wow. And so then, as a colonel, you had more than three thousand four hundred flight hours. And yes. 330 combat hours, with uh, which is incredible. Okay, so you've seen your combat. I have. I, I did uh, operations, Operation Enduring Freedom and Iraqi Freedom. So nice. Um, what, uh, what, what what years were you over there, if you don't mind me asking? I was over there in 2005, mm. uh, 2006. I think 2005 to 2007, I flew missions over there off and on in the YouTube community. We go, you know, usually we rotate every two months. Yeah. So I, I flew operations out of there and I've also flown missions in the YouTube in Osan and um, over in the Mediterranean um, off of uh, Cyprus. Nice. So my, one of my deployments probably ran into each other. I was over in, uh, I was deployed during that uh, 2005, 2006 so I was there in uh, in Iraq. So Camp Biop, TQ Toledo, yeah. like I was I was all over Iraq. So uh, a small world. It, it is definitely a small world. I'm I'm sure I have flown over your head once or twice out there. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. And then speaking of flown over my head, so I see you not only you have this shirt on too. Okay. So yeah. the uh, the the YouTube program for for listeners that are not understanding or knowing about that. Can you explain and tell them what that YouTube program is? And then uh, what is behind the nickname, uh, the Dragon Lady? Right. So the YouTube program was, um, the U-2 is an aircraft. It's a reconnaissance, intelligence surveillance reconnaissance aircraft, a.k.a. spy plane. Oh, um, so what we do is that we fly very high and we take uh, pictures in the form of different types of imagery, whether it's electrical, optical, infrared, Doppler. We also listen to signals. We pick up signals in the air and we take all that information and we send it off board to be analyzed by different agencies throughout the United States. And so the U-2 has been around since 1955. It was its nickname, the U-2 Dragon Lady. It's a Lockheed Martin aircraft. It was developed by Kelly Johnson. And in 1955, it started flying 
uh, missions and flying programs under the CIA. It was a black program, so a lot of people didn't know about it. It flew missions over Russia. And eventually the Air Force took over that program and then Air Force pilots have flown it. So the aircraft has basically flown for 67 years. There's been less than 1,100 pilots. I think we're about to graduate uh, pilot, you know, 1098, 99, and 1,100. Yeah. And there have, it's just a small group of people. Um, I, I was told recently that there are more F-35 pilots than there are U-2 pilots. And we've been flying this aircraft for 67 years. So it's most notably known for being shot down in the 1960s, in 1960 with Gary Powers, as it was used in the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, but we're still using it today. I mean, a wow. couple of weeks ago, it was in the paper for taking, you know, the pilot taking a selfie by the Chinese balloon. So really, um, okay, yes. So <laughs> we're still we're still out there. You know, 67 years old. The airframe doesn't look like it's changed much, but inside the avionics, mm -hmm. it's still it's still rocking. So. We're Man. still very relevant. We're doing good things and yeah. we're doing very important missions. So that's that's basically. So I wore this shirt or similar shirt like this on uh, the reality show Tough as Nails, which I was on season two of. And so ever since I've worn it, it was designed by my friend Dana LaBelle, a uh, major, currently a major in the Air Force. And so we use this shirt to we sell it for, um, you know, for purposes of supporting mission 22 which is a veteran organization so all proceeds go to them so i've i've, I've heard my cat too that's my yeah say again and the cat the, the cat's like yo i gotta get my i gotta get mine mom <laughs> <laughs> uh, well at the end you definitely gonna have to let me know uh where where uh i would be able to go and purchase one of those shirts i, I would okay. love would love to support the cause uh and I, then, thank you yeah you know thank you and thanks for bringing awareness to it you know um uh, uh anything for the veterans and so then even with you like so you're you're still so you're one of five women if i'm not mistaken or correct me if i'm wrong and three yeah, so, black women okay to be in this youtube program right so there's been about in the history of the youtube there's been about 12 i think 10 or 12 women 10 to 12 women now because i was number five and i'm the I'm still the first and only black woman to fly to YouTube. Wow. And of, of um, people of color in the program, you know, we have maybe around 10 of us now, yeah. maybe. I, I know most of them, uh, mm -hmm. but there were some that were way before me that I don't know. Um, but yeah, there's not, and you have to look at the whole, the numbers as a whole. Yeah. Uh, women in the military encompass, as of 2020, encompass maybe less than 7% of all pilots in all branches of service Wow! and women of color make up less than two tenths of a percent. So there's not a lot of us. So, you know, yeah. when you see one of us, we're definitely unicorns yeah. uh, running around, but you know, it doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, we got good pilots who fly to U2. Yeah. I'm glad to be amongst them. I mean, I interviewed, I got it. I didn't know, you know, that, the numbers were so low. All I knew is that I wanted to be part of an organization that did this mission, that had a brother and sisterhood that was phenomenal, professional, and uh, did some good things. So, and so, and so, with it, uh, I'm curious. Like, you know, two things. One, why do you think that is? You know, as far as women pilots in general, like, why is that? Why do Why do you think the numbers are so low? I mean, this is my personal opinion. I think yeah. a lot of I think, you know, around the age of 11 or 12 in junior high school, there is definitely this shift where, um, 
young women or young girls don't think the STEM studies are, are a possibility for them. Yeah. And I know a lot of organizations are trying to change that. But what I also think is that there are people in underserved communities that do not think that this is a possibility. Okay. And, you know, case in point, I talk about when I went to Minnesota at Farmsworth Aerospace Elementary School. And this is a place that is a charter school for underserved youth. That, and they get people from NASA all the time that come in. And when I was there, I, I came there to speak to their about a thousand students for a day. Um, yeah. Even there was this young boy, black, uh, black boy who was holding my hand and we were taking pictures and stuff. And he looked up to me, he looked up at me. He's like, you're black, just like me. Mm. So I think it's, you know, those touch points that even though you could say it all day for yeah. some people, if they don't see someone like them, yeah. they will never think it's a reality. And that's just facts. Some people yeah. are motivated by seeing other people who are, who blaze trails and some people are just motivated because they want to do it and something yeah. has moved inside them. So, you know, there's no judgment on that, but I think as women in the military or as people of color or people of different ethnic groups, once you make it for whatever reason that you made it, you yeah. need to like reach back and try to mentor other kids, regardless of who yeah. they are and show them that there, there are other ways. So. And I, I love that. I'm a firm believer. I mean, you know the the next generation. You know I feel like is 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 lost into this the social media and all these narratives and stuff. You know and this thing of communication and just like you know the personal connections and communications and you know I'm like man who do you look up to? It's more of these you know they look up to these these false hopes. You know the the real the the fake reality people and all this compared to hey like man look at this. This 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 pilot, this African American woman pilot over here doing these dope ass missions, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> like the stuff right. you see in the movies, like yo, she's out here, she's doing it, she's living it, you know. So I, I'm I'm with you on that, man. Hundred, hundred percent. And uh and then with even speaking on that, like you know, yourself, you have a very uh extensive list of assignments and awards. So with those awards and all these, you know, different missions and stuff, do you have any um, mission that stands out the most to you as far as your favorite mission? And then do you have an award that you receive that, you know, means more to you than others? I think, I think one of my first missions in the U2 when I was over in OEF was significant. Um, because I mean that was a it was a good day. It resulted in some casualties on the other side, right? So, you know that, you know, from a aspect as a soldier and someone who's doing the mission, that was a very successful mission. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I have an air medal that represents that, and I and you know, I I truly like, you know, that's the day when you're doing that's the day when all your training culminates yep. in getting the job done. Right. Yep. Train like you fight, you fight like you train. Yep. I think one of the awards that for me are significant, and it's probably in a different way. In 2008, I won uh, the Aerospace Physiologist of the Year. And, okay. for, and for a couple of years, I worked in the 9th uh, Physiological Support Squadron. At that time, we used to call it, uh, it's called PSPTS, or we used mm -hmm. to call it PSD, Physiological Support Detachment. And at that time, I was 
an act, the acting commander's major. And there was a lot of drama in there to include my drama with uh, another major who was a physiologist. So um, the funny part is when the award came up, she had put her name in the hat to be nominated. And she was giving me a lot. I mean, it, we could talk, have a whole podcast on <laughs> women in jobs that are not here to help one another. And it's a, you know, leadership. Man, it's like breakdown, and, not building up. It's like, man. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, she was definitely that uh, example. And <laughs> I tell you, I was, I was keeping it on the straight, but I remember telling my boss one time in an email, I said, uh, you need to put some reins on her. Or I'm going to take her back to the hood. Like, so, you know, and yeah. I was, so, so, so you weren't going to take it behind the barracks, were you? <laughs> no, I was, I was like, we, we, it's going down. But you know, when you're in a certain position, you can't act like yeah. that. But I, yeah. but you wait for your moments. And I remember yeah. she was applying for it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to put in a package too. <laughs> and I did. And I won. Ooh. I won at the wing level. You know, I won. I won at the Man, Magic level. Killing with success, yo. <laughs> you know, and it was one of those things. Like, <laughs> probably people don't know, but I did that just to prove a point. Like, look, there's a reason why I'm the acting commander. And you're not. Whoa. So, you know, so it's it's one of those things. You don't you don't get back at someone. You know, trying to get to their level, even though you might be thinking it, and I was thinking it. But yeah. you get back to you get back at them with not even get back with them, but you prove and you show them that you're professional, you're good at your job, you're damn good at your job, and you know what it takes to get it done. And here are these accolades. I owe you nothing. I don't have to explain anything to you. You talk to my boss why I got picked and you didn't. And as a woman, let's see what we could do to make you shine. So Man. stronger together. So that's yep. <laughs> so I, I would say that award when I see it, and I always, I always smile. I go, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> that that is so dope. So speaking of that, so like, okay, so you're like myself, you're into fitness, right? Oh yeah. And uh, and and you know, so like, fitness is my passion, and it's been my passion, you know, ever since I came out, turned turned it into my career in the civilian world. And so in 2001, you were on Tough as Nails. Yeah, uh, 2021, yes. 2021, you were on Tough as Nails. So with that, uh, how did your time in the Navy and Air Force help prepare you uh, for those challenges? And how much training did you have to do to prepare for that show? So I would say the Navy and Air Force prepared me a lot because it was a lot of the challenges was about mental fortitude, mental toughness. Yeah. A lot of those challenges were not 15 minutes. Those challenges were like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. And it was hot during the time we filmed, even though it was supposed to be a cool time of the year, it was around the LA area. It was like 90 degrees. <laughs> and, and, you know, there are times when you didn't feel your best, but you needed to suck it up and get it in there for your teammates and to make sure you weren't eliminated. Yeah. So for me, I think the Navy kind of, the Navy and the Air Force helped me in that way because as a leader in the leadership positions I was in up until I was colonel, you know, there's times when you have to step forward, there's times when you have to step back. And then there, as a pilot, there are times I've sat in the aircraft for hours on end in the U-2, long, long missions, nine, 10 hours, no bathroom, eating food out of, eating food out of a tube. Wow. And 
and now I'm doing these these uh, challenges that I'm out of my element, but yeah. I'm going to go do it the best I can, and I'm going to learn on the fly, yeah. and I'm, you know, I'm not going to give up about it. So, you know, I always used to say, I will not stop until my body fails, and that was that was real. I mean, that's uh, that's what I brought to the table. So, that's um, yeah. So that's I think that's what the military instills in you. It it, it instills a sense of discipline and persistence. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you're ever going to do a reality show that's physical like that, yes. And the personal, the training part, I was training people already. I was doing boxing, but uh, for this particular show, you had to do what's called the brutal truth, mm -hmm. which is burpees. Uh, you had to hit about a hundred burpees in eight minutes and they do it in 30 second intervals. Yeah. And if you fail to hit 10 burpees in 30 seconds, you have to wait 30 seconds. So every time, and then you have to do nine and you have to keep doing nine until you yeah. fail. Like a so the big thing yeah. is, yeah. So the big thing is if, you know, a hundred burpees in eight minutes seems like a lot, if you could do it, like I'll do 12 a minute and it's not yeah. a big deal. No, but if you have to do 10 every 30 seconds, that's another level. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. And then speaking of you speaking of burpees, it was so funny. Even this morning, uh, one of the groups I trained, I had to go into military mode. I had this lady; she always shows up late, okay, for the training. So I was like, "Yo, check this out." I was like, "Hey, you show up late tomorrow." And this was yesterday. I was like, "You show up late every minute you're late. You owe me ten damn burpees." She showed up. She showed up eight minutes and thirty seconds late today. <laughs> I said, yo, we can't get this class started until you knock out them damn burpees. <laughs> oh. Drill sergeant, drill sergeant mode. <laughs> did, did she do it? Oh, hell yeah. Woo. Whole, listen, hey, listen, I went to drill sergeant mode. The whole class had to sit there and wait. So we, we on a time schedule now. So we run, we waiting on you. So you're going to get every burpee and I'm counting them. <laughs> well, get on her, but I bet you she won't be late again. You won't be late. You're going to get your butt in there for that warm up. Be on time. If you ain't 10 minutes yeah. late, 10 minutes early, you're late, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky Bobby. Don't put that on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't put that on me. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, can you tell us about? Uh, so, you had a book come out a couple of years ago uh, uh, Shatter the Sky? Yes. So, um, it came out in 2021 after I did the show. Okay. And um, Shatter the Sky, it's a memoir about. How a girl from the Bronx comes to be the first and only black female pilot to be, you know, to fly to U2. And then further on, as I leave the military, as I as I put the military behind me and yeah. the trials and tribulations of going from military service all the way to uh, you know, be a civilian again. Because yeah. you never you're never the same. Like once you go in the military and you spend half your life in the military. Yeah. Say so it's totally different. You keep going. I got I to gotta plug up before it goes out on you. Keep going. Oh, I'm no. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, the transition for a lot of people from military life to civilian life could be difficult. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's, you know, we have a lot of vets today. I mean, veteran suicides are high and, you know, because of PTSD, because of just trying to get back to lead some type of normal life. And, for a lot of people that can be difficult. And I think, you know, having a good routine, working out, that helps, you know, keep your mind focused and engaged. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to spend, you don't have to retire from the military. I mean, I know some guys in the army 
a friend of mine, you know, he spent six years in, he was in Haiti and he still suffered from a lot of things that he saw. Yeah. And I mean, it's you real. know, number one, I, it's yeah, I yeah. tell, I tell people in the military, you're not alone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's difficult for all of us. We all struggle in our own ways, but you got to get that support system that can help you, yeah. you know, get that routine down by working out, yeah. reach out to those people in the military whether that's at your workplace or not, that can help you and to help you get through these times. I mean, cause you know, dealing with straight up civilians, like coming in late eight minutes or just we, and as a military person, you have to understand, we got this, we got these skill sets that are powerful that are, that put us heads and shoulders above others. Yep. And we have to remember how, how special and how golden that is. And don't look at it as a bad thing, but just look at it as I I can do so many other things in this in the civilian field yeah. because I, how many civilians just can't come on time, are not motivated by their job, no can't be meticulous, nope. can't just do the work, no values, no morals. I mean, it's I mean for real. I, I really for me, I, I really feel like it's a it's a sad time, you know. Uh, and even with the transition coming out of the military and the civilian world. Like it was hard for me, you know. I mean, hell, it's still hard now a lot of the, a lot of the times because it's you know you feel like you're 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 in, you're not in the U.S. You feel like you're in a, you're overseas or something because everything is so foreign here, you know. Right. All, all these things that you were trained on, you know, the discipline, the moral, the values, you know, the work ethic, and all these things, you know, and you're the best of the best. But then you come to the civilian world and it's like, okay, no, we need you to level down. You're doing too much. Uh, oh my gosh, y'all are y'all are those crazy ones. Like, you know, oh my goodness, hold on, you did what? Uh, like, you know, it's like you're in you're in foreign. And then it's like, you know, the as far as even with protecting yourself, it seems like, you know, uh uh veterans, you know, the whole thank you for your service, you know, and that's why I told you in the beginning, like how much I really, you know, I, I appreciate your service. It's not just a thank you, it's an appreciation. And and I'm very thankful, you know what I mean, because of what you did. Because here it is, like I was on the ground, you're in the sky. You got my six and I got your six, you know, but then you come out into the civilian world, you don't feel like, you know, US has your six. <laughs> yeah, you got I mean, you just gotta be careful. So yeah, I I agree with you hundred percent about that. It, it's the further I go on. I'm just really glad that I was able to do the reality show because that just put me in a situation where you were with, you know, I was with four other people on the team and it was high stress yeah. and, you know, it was kind of reminiscent of being in the military and you formed these bonds. And then when I, you know, where I live now, I found some people who are, you know, who are just good people, good, good people who are civilians who got my back or the, yeah you know, we got, we have family in common and they're just like, they're just good people. So, nice. it, but it takes a while. Circle. So yeah, I have my small circle. So for all those out there who are transitioning, just be patient and, you know, just give it some time, protect yourself, but do those things like working out, yeah. you know, eating right, seeing a counselor if you need to, and have that person that you can talk to, to get yeah. you through this. Cause it's, it's tough and we all go through it. There we go. Not alone. Not alone. We're stronger together, y'all. Reach out, get that help. Okay, yeah. close mouth, don't get fed. Don't be scared. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. I so, like that. so, so listen. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get raw and real with you. Okay. All right. Brings us to the show. Okay. I always like to get raw and real at the end and ask, 
ask a question just to get a perspective. So the question, uh, I've been interviewing quite a quite a few vets here recently. And my raw and real with my vets, what is your thought on the state of the U.S. right now when it comes to what are your thoughts on everything that's going on, you know, from all this this madness with, you know, uh, the these bills, the, 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 the laws, our soldiers. Uh, what is your what is your thoughts on the state of the I mean, us as a, as a country right now? I mean, do you think if we were to go to sit here and go to war, like, are we still the elite? Are we still the top? Okay. Oof. <laughs> so many ways to hit this, this answer. Um, you know, part of me feels like we're in a war right now. Yeah. Like we are in a war on a cyber scale. Yeah. We're in a war economically. Um, you know, when it comes to social media, um, infiltration, whether you're looking yeah. at, let's, let's talk about TikTok. Let's talk about all that, you know, this is like a, it's like winning the hearts and minds or, or distracting the hearts and minds of people as to what the bigger picture is and what's going on. Yep. And I, I'll be honest, I just deleted my TikTok. I just switched my phones over and I took my TikTok off. And okay. I used to joke and say, I didn't care about TikTok because I know China knows who I am anyway. I mean, yeah. when I flew to YouTube back in 2005, they, they had an article about me. It was written in Chinese. I had to translate. So I was like, oh, they know I'm here. <laughs> they, they know I'm so, here. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think it goes a lot deeper than that. I think as a country, um, we are very distracted and we're distracted with the wrong thing. We're distracted with self, self-interest about how we are perceived on social media how how many likes we could get how many clicks we could get instead of like how can i be this how can i be proud to be my authentic self and how can i help my neighbor next to me how can i be kind to them and how can i you know help in any way and i think we need to get out of that mindset even and it's hard because you have politicians that say things and sign bills and are incredibly you know they have their base but their base is just very superficial they yep. want certain things and they have no interest in helping the sorry that was a dork was they have no interest in helping those people who are underserved and underprivileged it's yep. it's a, it's a lot of self-interest it's a lot of selfishness it's a lot a lot of and i think yeah. and i think that's very hard so our state is one of we got to, quite frankly, we got to get our heads out of our asses. There we or go. Or this is going to, this is going to seriously, this will seriously hurt us in a way. Man. Because now, you know, people in the military are fighting, might be, you know, disenfranchised, may be very tired. I mean, we've been surging for a long time in the military when we were in, right? Yeah. And we haven't really stopped. So at what point are we going to break? Probably yep. this is now, not the time. So, yeah. Um, and I talk to a lot of military people who are tired, a lot of military people who yeah. want to move on and, and do some other stuff. Yeah. So, um, I mean, and, and I mean, which is rightfully under, understood. I mean, because again, you, we are the 1% and the, what, what we do, like majority of people couldn't never do. 
you know, but right. then, you know, when you do it and then you transition and even with the current military, them seeing like, okay, hey, this is what I have to look forward to. Like I put my life on my line for my country and this is how my country thanks me. It, it is tiring, you know, it, it's, it's a lot. Yes. Yeah, it, it is a lot. You know? So I think we have to get our priorities straight and I think we have to, you know, first of all, we got to care about our people more and be sincere about it and be true about it. And I think we have to show a lot of more love to our military, especially those who are suffering from mental health issues. Amen. And when you, when you show that authenticity, then I think people will be more in the game. I mean, this is just leadership one-on-one. Yeah. Take care of your people that take care of you. So yeah, the state of the U S it's kind of, it's kind of on that balance right now. Yeah. And if we want to do well in a future war, because they say it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, Mm-hmm. then um, <laughs> we need to get our minds right and our eye on the ball. So I, and, that's and as get real out, as I can say. hands out their ass, like you said, <laughs> straight yes. up. <laughs> I mean, you just yeah. you just have to. Your, your source of people coming from the military will be in those communities that might be underserved. Or you're going to look for those professionals who are those doctors and those lawyers. If they're too wrapped up on social media and doing all that stuff, they're not going to have that interest. Yep. They have to look to people that are, um, you know, I don't know. I think I think military people we have that fire in our belly. Yeah. To to uh, want to help our country, we're proud. We're proud to be Americans. We're yeah. proud of all the opportunities that it offers, even though we're not perfect. And we have yeah. to portray that. We have to give that to other people, so they say, "Yeah, I want to do that too. I want to protect what we have." Because yeah. yeah, we make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, nobody's you know perfect. Like nobody's, nobody's perfect. perfect. Yeah. During co- during COVID, lots of things came up. A lot of racial things came up. All this stuff. But we, what I love about this country is that we sh- we keep striving to be better. We strive to make amends. We don't go. This is how we are. So deal with it. Nah. Yeah. yeah. So, I- Meryl, I, that's and you know, and that's what I love to hear. That's what I love to see from my fellow veterans in here because. Like I said, you know, one of my my biggest things is we are stronger together, and yeah. I just I just love hearing all my fellow vets. I mean, everybody's on the same page, and you know, uh, like we're still in the fight, you know, and we all have to you know still be in this fight and 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 come together uh, to make this change and and to help because, like you said, you know, we are the ones that we are the fighters. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and and, and America needs fighters right now. Um, Meryl, I, I want to thank you so much uh for your for your time today uh i mean it is truly an honor uh and a blessing to be able to sit and talk with a fellow vet but not only a fellow vet a dragon lady uh up there a fighter in the sky you know what i mean i think it's pretty dope uh uh, what you did what you've done for this country and what you continue to do and i I just want to want to thank you and you know for all my listeners you know listening uh how can they uh, follow up with you how can they see what's going on with you like where can they go to get in contact with you right so thank you so much pj for having me um you could contact me on i'm on instagram dragon lady 788 788 is my pilot number in the youtube community you can catch me on linkedin uh under meryl tengestall facebook i really don't look at facebook a lot so if you message me it may take like five days for me to answer sorry um instagram is really my home and like i just said tiktok is gone and if you got be real 
which is kind of silly, but I, I do be real too under Meryl Tengestall. And then um, my website is MerylTengestall.com. My shirts, I have it on the website right now. It's currently down because I, I just did a, I did a conference last week. So I took all my merch with me Okay. and I have to inventory it, but it will be under MerylTengestall.com. It's under uh big cartel. Okay. And so, yeah, all proceeds go there. And then my book shatter the skies on Amazon. And you can purchase it there as well. Partial proceeds go to Legacy Flight Academy. Woof. Meryl, thank you so much. It's been such an thank honor you. and a blessing. Thank you. I, I hope you, you have yourself an amazing Friday, uh, a great weekend. And I'm I'm going to keep in touch with you because I'm going to have a Veterans Roundtable that I'm going to want you to be a part of where we sit down okay. and chop it up with a lot of other fellow veterans. And, and you know, we just get some raw and real talk going. Um, I would be I would love to do that. And I forgot to say I have my YouTube channel too, so subscribe. Ah, nice. And so YouTube channel is Meryl Tengestall. Bam. Yo, y'all go follow, keep up to date with everything that Meryl has going on. And again, one more time, thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. And go army, beat Navy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you have that because it's your show. <laughs> Meryl, thanks so much. Oh, man. And we will be talking with you again here soon. Thank you all. all right. And it's been real.